and welcome to nearly the 50th instalment of Which Car Weekly's podcast, when we get all of the finest minds in journalism, motor journalism together, and mostly the others as well. By those other minds, I am, of course, talking about my own, the one that belongs to Daniel Gardner, the brain inside the lovely skull of Scott Newman, associate editor of Motor Magazine, and, of course, deputy editor of Wheels Magazine, Andy Enright, who has clearly the largest brain of us all, if skull size is anything to go by. Very low mileage for year as well. You're great, yes. It's not worn out. <laughs> Definitely not. Plenty left in that one. Um, today, we are doing sort of a special, aren't we, gentlemen? Because we wanted to talk about the racetrack. Every episode with you two is special. Oh, nice, but absolute bullshit. Yep. Um, we want to talk about the racetracks because we spend a little bit of time on them uh, during our day jobs. This is not an episode of just gloating. Um, it has real historical significance and also consumer advice. No, definitely none of that. Consumer relevance, yeah. Okay, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's kick it off. What we want to talk about to start with uh, are those racetracks past? Now, Australia is a very old place. It's only in the, relatively speaking, the most recent times has it had racetracks on it. That's true. As far as we know. I mean, I don't know. Perhaps Indigenous people had a, some form of racing they did, yep. um, which required a track. Now, that's not what we're talking about, because I definitely haven't researched that. But what we are going to talk about are the racetracks that have existed in Australia and are no more. A very sad subject, but don't worry, we're going to pick it up at the end with a slightly more optimistic uh, segment. Correct. So, the catalyst for this was I went out to Bathurst recently, and on the way I stopped at a place called Catalina Park, no, Katoomba, yeah, Mm. Uh, which is in the Blue Mountains. It's probably about an hour or so uh, west of Sydney, and there there is an abandoned racetrack. And what's odd about this racetrack is, A, it's extremely easy to find if you know Mm. what you're looking for, it's right next to the pool. Um... (laughs) And the sports centre at Katoomba. And uh, also, it's in quite good nick. Uh, mm. You can It's now used mainly by runners and people for going for a walk, which is exactly what I did. I took a walk around it. But it was kind of really cool because some, some of the signage is still there. A lot of the barriers are still there. And the tarmac is in pretty good condition. Sadly, it can never be used again because it's like an Aboriginal historic um, site. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sadly, to build the racetrack, they kind of kicked all the Indigenous people off their land. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Bit of bad uh, Yeah, in like the 50s and 60s. Uh, and then it ran for about 40 years uh, until it got closed down for this. Um, crazy place, insanely fast. They did like F5000s there and everything like that. Oh. I think the, the lap records held by, held by Matic, by Frank Gardner and a Matic. And like having walked around it, I reckon like in a modern road car, you'd be topping 250, 260 in places. And it is... It's kind of like the spit, like a really fast racetrack with all the runoff of like Monaco. Like there's nowhere to go, <laughs> nowhere to go. That sounds a sort of scary thing that would never be built today. Yeah, exactly. So that prompted the thing. Like, what are some of the coolest racetracks that have sort of departed? I mean, we'll concentrate on Australia, but Andy, you feel free to throw well, in a few. Let's continue things. with that one for a minute because that one sounds really notable. Yeah. And, and what's lovely is that we're going to go through a few now, um, but most of them, the ones that I, I know of are really almost un- unrecognisable now. They've, they've sort of right. decayed so much. So to find one that's actually in still pretty reasonable condition and, and you can still see exactly what it was until quite... When was it used last? Uh, 1992 or something like that. If right. you go on YouTube, there's um, some sort of dodgy in-car footage of like a guy fanging around and that's in 1600 and that's in 1600 and that's the thing, the thing's like never below fourth gear and wow. it's a fairly hairy place. Um, 
I took a guess which way it went because I didn't really know. Oh, and thankfully, yeah. I guessed correctly. Um, I'll put it up on my Instagram. I did a sort of a time lapse as I walked around it. Yeah. So you can kind of see, get a rough gist. But like, it's all blind. There's nowhere to go in terms of runoff. Uh, it's all really, really fast, and it's quite a lot of and uh, quite a lot of elevation changes too. Yeah, cool. What uh, awesome elevation changes as well. It's kind of like like Andy. You've been to the bend. Have you been to the bend yet? Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like a mini bend. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bit smaller, but there is a bit of elevation change. It's really fast. But imagine the bend if each side of the track was a just. Um, wooden boards. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like Circuit de Chirard in France. Yeah, it that, probably that's is. Like yeah. that. just hairy and a lot of elevation change and lots of places to fall off. And back here, yeah, back in the sixties, when it was like, oh, if you got a suspension wishbone through your helmet, then oh, tough luck. That's part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. And the shame is, as you say, that you would never build anything like that these no. days. You'd never get away with it. So, but if you can keep them going. Yes. Then, then you can have these absolute bonkers, madness circuits because you can't really. Yeah, you know, obviously you can you can do yeah. things to improve safety. Yeah, I mean the Nurburgring is a perfect example. Exactly. Yeah, off yeah. and slightly. as you said, Monaco and in in other sports as well. If you look at like, downhill skiing, the two blue ribbon events in skiing are, are Kitzbühel and Wengen, mm-hmm. and they could never create those courses yeah. today. They're way too dangerous. It's rather like maintaining the rego on your car, isn't it? Is it, if, right. if you keep the rego topped up, you can drive around in the biggest <laughs> shitbox in the universe. But, but as soon as you let the rego expire, then you I have know. to go to roadworthy again. Oh, Touch the raw nerve. <laughs> yeah, see, this is coming from one man who allowed his rego to expire. <laughs> to oh, me, dear. who has kept his maintained all the way through. Thank goodness. Um, my esteemed colleague, uh, Ash Westerman, he did a feature. He went to, yeah. He yeah, went he went to, to, went to Catalina Park. Yep. And it, he also went to Oran Park. Have yes. You, have you been there? I haven't. I never went to Oran Park. Um, that's a good example of what Dan was saying, though. Something that's in, unrecognisable now. Like it's a it's housing estate. estate yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah. it's kind of sad. But I mean, that was a for motor and wheels. That was home ground. Like that was performance testing home ground photo shoots. It was yeah up until yeah. two thousand and eight six. Yeah. Close, Ash said his his first uh, track day was. They're testing for motor in 1989. Wow, mm-hmm. Ash is 700 years old. Isn't That's he? right. Yeah, yeah. And his last one was on a bicycle around there when they when they were about to lock the gates. Oh, yeah, really? right. Yeah, yes. yeah. Nathan, uh, my, my one and only Oran Park story. Uh, the the dear Nathan Ponchard, who was formerly of our tomes, I uh, was once performance testing a an Astra. It might have been the VXR Astra, and it, it might actually have been a standard Astra. Anyway, uh, went first instead of third, and that oh, was the, no. <laughs> That was the end of uh, that one. Went home in a truck. Whoops! That <laughs> Which I think a mess under the would bonnet. not have been the only car that got blown up at our own park in the performance <laughs> testing days. Also good for performance times because it was downhill straight. So cheating, totally cheating. Yeah. Ah, there's um housing estate there now, and mm. it's got some sort of charismatic road names and stuff. And there's a little uh, there's a, a shrine to in the middle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's others like uh, Amaru Park. I grew up on like Speed Week when I was a little kid watching at Amaru Park. That was a that was a perfect example of a thing that a uh, track that wouldn't be made today because I think the second last corner was like a really fast run into it, and it was a ninety degree turn. Yeah. But there was no runoff. It was a concrete wall. So if you had brake failure or, or outbreak yourself, you're in deep. Trip. The only place you were going was head on into a concrete wall. Wow. Oh. So which I'm assuming plenty of people. Plenty did. of people did. That's right. Absolutely. And again, they raced, you know, single-seaters there and touring cars and all sorts of you things. You know, that's what irritates me so much about when you talk about these racing circuits past and, and the reasons they fell into disrepair. It, it, it's not so much in the olden days, but certainly to this day, 
they're sort of demonised. People look at yeah. these tracks and they look at how much they cost to maintain. They look at what people do when they go there. Mm. And obviously, speeding in cars is the most dangerous thing you can do and it's socially totally unacceptable. Yep. So people sort of look at them like they're really bad things. When in actual fact, they're providing, you know, sort of a, a bit of a community. And, and, and these places as well, they're often built up on the fringes of cities and the cities have expanded and they've mm. just looked at the dollar signs of yep. uh, development for housing. That's they? what took Oran Park, that's what took Amaru Park. Mm-hmm. Again, it became a housing estate. Uh, Lakeside's having big problem, problems in the Queensland because of, yep. you know, they restrict them so... It's the classic thing about, you know, the meme, you see memes about on the internet, like move next to racetrack, complain about racetrack noise, racetrack gets closed down. It's like, yeah, you know, don't don't move next to a racetrack if you yeah. don't like the sound of cars. That's what That's happens right. there. Yeah, you've got, don't tell me you didn't know it was there. Yeah. You, you know, just put a, a, a tarp up. Gee, this house was cheap. It's like, oh, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> am, am I opening a can of worms by uh, asking how long Calder Park has got? Uh, not please do if there is a can of worms good, no, please do. It, was, it was on my list of ones to be mentioned because that's a curious entity because that's one that has both a functioning racetrack and one that isn't the fun, yes. so the drag strip is still going alive and well and it's very very mm-hmm. busy um, perhaps not, a lot of people would argue it's not one of the finest examples of a drag strip but it's very busy they've also got a circuit on the same site of, of the r- drag strip which is used for like um, drifting Formula D and all that stuff mm-hmm. Um, but if you just look over a large mound of earth next door, there is, of course, the Thunderdome. And yes. that is very much looking in a sorry state and will probably never do anything meaningful in the way of motorsport ever again. I've actually driven around that. So have I. Have you? Yes. It's wild, isn't it? What did you drive around in? In an FPV GT R-Spec. And the banking's so steep that when I got halfway around, the ESP failed because it couldn't figure out what the car was doing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, I drove around it in my own car. Oh. Um, and it was at the end of a, a, a drive event. It was not really using the, the bank track. It was using the huge bit in the middle, mm-hmm. um, which is like an effectively a huge skid pad. It was great. Um, and I left last thing in the day. I'd done a few things. Most people had gone home. And I just said to the organizers, like, can I can I just do a lap, a sort of relatively slow lap in my own car, just so I can say I drove a lap of the, uh, the Thunderdome because I, I didn't know how much longer it was going to be mm-hmm. there for. And I'm pleased I did because it's certainly not looking any better these days. But I made a fundamental error. I drove the wrong way. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a silly thing to do on a perfectly symmetrical oval track, but it is, and I'm sure you can tell me why. No? I'm I'm thinking the Coriolis effect of the Earth. Close. <laughs> okay. Um, if you drive the wrong way round in a right-hand drive car, you can't see anything because the roof oh, just obscures yeah. your view. Because ah, okay. it's such a steep yeah, bank. Yeah. The car, you're looking out of the side of the car, which is tipped down. And yep. so... You can't actually see anything. Oh, so I drove go. the wrong way and nearly crashed several times. Although, wouldn't you have driven the right way? Because all the cars they raced there would have been left-hand or right. Well, no, yeah, exactly. But I just didn't know which way I was supposed to go. Yeah. So I drove, yeah, I drove uh, anti-clockwise in a right-hand drive car, and that is the wrong way. It's an amazing. It was an. Ama- it's an amazing story behind the Thunderdome. You know, like Bob Jane was Isn't making it incredible. shitloads of money at the time and just decided to drop a bomb of it on yeah. a bundle of it on making an NASCAR circuit. And it worked well for like two years. Um, there's some sensational racing there, especially yeah. with like HQs and stuff like that, of cars that could only do like 170 flat out. And they all did 170 flat out <laughs> for 40 laps and went in this, you know, we usually crashed into each other. Talking of sneaking a little illicit lap on a, on a bank track, um, I went to Fiat's, <laughs> of course, Fiat of course. Centenary, where, where I ended up getting sat next to Henry Kissinger, which must what? have been a, a very memorable moment in his life. Um, but uh, <laughs> I got hold of a punter. <laughs> 
and drove it up and did about 20 laps on the roof of yes, the Lingotto building. No yes. way. <laughs> yes. Isn't that a wooden track? Uh, before before I came back down and um, then spoke to one of the guys at the, at, the, at the building who said that it was like the holiest thing and he'd worked for Fiat for <laughs> 30 years and, and had never been it. allowed up there. <laughs> did you do a chirpy? Did like... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, 20 laps on it. Yeah. Was Henry Kissinger uh, still next to you? No, no, I ditched that, uh. that flog. Um, <laughs> it was, there, was, there was a horrendous bump as well. I was probably going much faster than is advisable. Um, you come off one section of it and it, the car just goes like, into the air and you realise, oh, I'm, I'm like nine so, stories off the ground. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it's amazing. I've seen plenty of pictures of the place if you get it wrong do you end up like off the roof and in the canteen yeah you, you could you could end up off the roof or um, in the <gasps> helipad I think wow <laughs> that's it's, incredible it's pretty hairy and that's why they don't let people like you up there. yes yes don't try that <laughs> um, I have there's I, you can say I have um, not driven but I have passed along this uh, doomed and now dead racetrack has anyone heard of the Templestowe Hill Climb no yeah right this is a good one then oh um, Maybe. Continue. Yeah. So it was closed, last used in 1987. So still relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, traditional hill climb wasn't a, cl- uh, a continuous loop circuit, but it was about a kilometre of um, dedicated sealed road that was for a hill climb race that ran since the 40s. I think yeah, it right. was. So it's very, very long running. In its heyday, 20,000 people showed up for the wow. hill climb. So it was huge. Wow. Um, in the 60s, it started to drop off. I think the 60s were, were the heyday, and then it started to... And, and once again, same old story. Housing estate is now yeah. encroached on it, and it's there's a little, but there's one bit left, and it's probably the best bit of the whole hill climb, and it's what they refer to as the wall, because it was um, what's what's the best uh, t- scale to talk of steepness of road? Do you like one in something, or do you like percentage or an angle? Oh, I'd never understand it, so just go. It was like... one in twenty five, one in two point five. Okay. Was the steepness, wow. which That's is really about steep. 22 degrees. Yeah, So right. it's incredibly steep. And it's actually difficult to walk up. And anyway, so in my mountain biking years, we used to ride out around that area. And we found it. And it, I, you can almost not ride up it. It's, so it's not a public road or anything? Not, no, no. no, no, no. But you can get to it. It's now part of a walking track. And most of the sealed well, sections... I can, I can solve that problem. Just go down it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's easier. But still bloody terrifying. But getting back to Calder, actually, yeah, you posed a good question. What happens to Calder? In a perfect world, you'd want the government to take it over and make it a driver training centre. It's close to the city, plenty of room. It's already there. Okay, it's going to need, I don't know, 10 million, 15 million spent on it. Mm. You've got a perfect facility to teach people how to drive and have an advanced driver training, defensive driver training. Um, you look at the value of land, it must be worth a bomb. But I think the reason it still exists is this is pure, spec, uh, pure um, conjecture. Skull butt, yeah, yeah, conjecture. Yeah. I believe. Uh, when they built it, they didn't exactly uh, adhere to current environmental regulations, and the actual cleanup would be a horrendous undertaking. Yes. Like the the banking of the Thunderdome is built on old tires and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So, yeah. um, whoever wanted to, de- I mean, you'd, you'd think you'd make it back. Surely you'd make two hundred million dollars worth of houses on there. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully someone buys yeah. it and makes the, it a track. There are. That's as I understand it as well. Is it would the the, the cost of removing everything that's there mm. would be totally unfeasible yeah which then begs the question what do you do with that now i love your theory of turning it into driver education center there's two things wrong with that okay. first of all the government doesn't care about drive people driving safely yes they say they do because they make speeding limits lower all the time but that's not the way of dealing with it, as we know the second problem is 
they now have a very good other venue for a driver mm. training centre, which would probably be a little bit more suitable. And that, of course, is Holden's Proving Ground, which is now, we know, by the end of the year, will be defunct and doing nothing. How much do you reckon that's going to sell for? Do you reckon we can get it? Uh, well, what else are you going to do with it? It's not like called apart. You can't mm. put a housing estate on it. It's I mean, I've got like $2.70 in my pocket. Probably got about the same. There we yeah. go. So and we're already five dollars forty. Oh, and Europe on the big bucks. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I think I can't compete with Lindsay Fox. Though, no. Um, which true. is the speculation, or Vinfast is the other name. Oh, I've heard about that. Vin Diesel's uh, brother. Yeah. There's uh, a Vietnamese company, and they're they're in Port Melbourne actually. Apparently they're buying Holden. Apparently, I don't know. As a podcast well, for next week, perhaps. they might get the Lang Lang track thrown in for free. Then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Calder. I don't know. Calder's just probably going to die a slow, sad death. Yeah, well, the, the speculation was nothing would ever happen to it until Bob Jane was dead, and mm. there he is. So I, I imagine there's discussions going on right now. Did They're, you guys know about the 1987 World Touring Car Race they had there? Oh, yeah, it was when they used the international circuit yeah, and they, they linked the whole thing Both up. of them. That was so yeah. good. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? That arguably then was its heyday. You and I know, think all the C... I, I think a random car won because all the Sierras had to slow down around the banking because otherwise would have torn their tyres off. Oh. I don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that was, great, that was all the M3s and everything were there. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. That really was its, yeah, its that heyday. great. Absolutely. Um, what else is... Oh, from my home state, Longford. Oh. So, obviously, old F1 track in the 50s and... 50s mainly, 60s as well, I think. Big names raced there, like I think Jim Clark raced there, mm. um, Jackie Stewart, all that sort of guy, all those sort of people. Um, bits of the circuit still exist. You can't drive a whole lap because uh, bits of the road are now defined. I, can, I think you can go and visit the whole track. But the big thing is the pub in Longford was on like the corner and someone famous once like crashed into it and then just went straight to the bar and ordered a drink. Um, <laughs> which is what you so if you're ever in Longford, yeah, well worth a visit to the pub there. I think they've got memorabilia and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. How long does it take before the soul of a racetrack has gone? You know, because that for me is one of the most magical things about mm. a track. So you can, you can be there. You don't, you don't have to be there on a race day for that magic. There's something about it that's just there all the time. <laughs> and it takes some time for it to sort of dissipate and, and kind of that vibrancy is I gone. I kind of think as long as it's still recognisable. Yeah. Like this um, Catalina Park, obviously, like even if it was really overgrown, it kind of is, but it's still quite, like the tarmac's quite in quite good condition, but if it was really overgrown, you'd still see the signs, you'd still see the barriers. Mm. So you'd still, I think, have a bit of that magic of, like you can still recognise the shape of it and what it was, so therefore I think it's still got magic of an old yeah. racetrack. The Circuit de Reim in France is like, oh yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's still got that character and... um. But like Sudschleifer in mm. the other half of the Nordschleifer in in Germany, oh, uh, right. Nürburgring, okay. the Nordschleifer. Um, that's that's pretty hard. Evil to, brother. Yeah, that's pretty hard to sort of figure out um, where that goes these days. Andy, you have you um, old Spa? Yeah, you can still drive most of that. I think. That, yeah. And yeah. Um, have you been to Monza? The banking at Monza. Monza. I haven't been there for a very very long time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's probably a good good point to start talking about you know the the Cut ones the that are still alive yes the ones you can your, still go your favorites yeah and the ones that we between us i should imagine we've probably driven quite a few yeah probably we've been, been very lucky um what was the first one you drove on oh now that's a good question first one in australia for me was phillip island jesus starting yeah. at the top yeah which was a i mean obviously one of 
the best yeah, racing circuits place. in Australia, arguably the finest. Mm-hmm. Um, you can break the argument down into best street circuit versus best yeah, they're permanent. best permanent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well, Phillip Island. I mean, that's, that's a one on one. the. Was that the first circuit you ever drove on? Uh, oh, actually, good question. Well, yeah, because I wasn't I wasn't a, a motor journalist in the motoring UK. Russia. That's right. So I didn't get such executive privileges while I was. Back but Andy there. was. We used to break into Thruxton at night. <laughs> break into Thruxton. <laughs> yes, yes we, we knew a way to get into Thruxton at night and drive on the track there. Um, and Thruxton is kind of in the middle of nowhere in Hampshire. Yeah. So there's no one around to really kick you off. And it's wow. a very, very fast track, which was uh, really yeah. good fun. And we were in dreadful cars <laughs> all the time. <laughs> like, what? how bad are we talking? What, what were they? And I should imagine they went in a great state. Like a Vauxhall Cavalier or something? Mostly they were they were things that we'd borrowed from Southampton Car Auction. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing evaluation drives. When you say borrowed, <laughs> 40 or, when you say borrowed, did did they know they'd been borrowed? Um, I I had a friend who was the night security guard. So the answer is no. <laughs> he knew. Yeah. Well, you knew they'd been I, borrowed, but no one who owned the cars knew they'd been borrowed. There's a term for that. It's called stolen. <laughs> <laughs> but not if he gave it back. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So temporarily stolen. Yeah. Temporarily okay, stolen. Uh, so was that the first of your first? Yeah. Yeah. Race I think track? that was the first racetrack I drove on, okay. and then the first and in the dark. And the first uh, first one here was also Phillip Island. Oh wow! There so, you go. Scottles. Baskerville. Oh, home, of course, oh, you're a boy, aren't you? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I first. Uh, so. About a year or probably 18 months into my driving education, I thought I was pretty good. Well, you probably were, uh, now with your talent. And then I signed up for my first track day at Baskerville, mm-hmm. and I took my R31 Skyline out, and I went through the first corner and went, I'm really scared. <laughs> and there was a, car, a guy in some shit-hot Mark, Mark 1 Ford Escort behind me, like, you know, warming his tyres and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we were on the warm-up lap, and I was way outside my comfort zone, oh, crapping my pants. Horrible feeling. Um... But, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So, and in, in Andy's case, a, a, with a single crash. Yes, yes, single yes. Crash with, with, a, with a borrowed Volvo 760 GLE. This was rear drive. Uh, yes, I did many laps of Baskerville and then a couple of, of Simmons briefly uh, before <laughs> I yeah, moved to... Move to mainland Australia. Right. Um, I'm, I'm going to run through uh, my personal little favourites. I've got, uh-huh. got a list here. Um... Park Motor Castelloli near Barcelona. Bless you. Brilliant track. <laughs> Figure of eight. Loads of relief. Um, oh, is that the one that's... I think I know the one you mean. I think Motor Trend did a video. Yeah, it's, it's got a, like an underpass and Yes, stuff? that's the one. It's a really good track. It's it? amazing. Mainly, mainly for bikes, but if you've got an agile car, it's good fun. Um, Bilsterberg is mm. Ooh, yes. wild. So that's, that's a Herman Tilke track, and that is what Herman Tilke does when he's kind of let off the FIA leash. Like, just do what you want. Yeah, now that one's a little bit like sort of a, a tiny Nurburgring, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah roller coastery. Yeah, there's a lot of very blind up and, and down, yeah, cresty yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, something like an Exige would be good at Bilsterberg. I once tried to follow Bern Schneider in an AMG GTR on uh, Bilsterberg. That's a lot of car. For it there, was a lot it? of car, and he, you know, how like obviously we've done drive days on tracks before where you have a pace car, yes, and they're there deliberately to sort of slow you down so you don't get yes outside your talent zone. Yes, I know which what's is, coming here. Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't seem to get no. a shit at all. <laughs> no, he was gone, leaving all of us numpties behind him to try and sort of work it out ourselves. Well, this might be the next one on Andy's list, but yeah, I did the C63 coupe launch at Ascari, and Bernd Schneider was. Uh, the pace car in an AMG GTS. And the last I saw of him was disappearing around two, turn two, 
in a cloud of tire smoke as he drifted <laughs> to the corner in like fourth gear. Excellent. So I said, I guess we'll just figure it out by ourselves. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, Circuit Monte Blanco, so here's another one. Um, a load of money's been thrown at that. It's down in Spain, near Seville. Um, it's right up to FIA grade two. Gosh. Um, and they really... Why do we keep going to Israel yeah, and stuff they then? really <laughs> invested loads of money yeah. in this place. And, it, and it's a complete orphan. There's, there's nothing that really goes on there. But I'll tell you what my favourite track is. It's the wet circuit at Contidrome. It's um, oh. in Continental Tyres' test facility oh, up near Hanover. What? And I've got, a, I've got a story, a little story for you. Just give me a minute for this one. Um, the company I used to work for, the guy who ran it, he used to run uh, a lot of these test things at Contidrome. So we'd go over there with a whole bunch of hot cars and uh, test these vehicles. Um, he was super, super competitive. He wasn't a bad driver, but um, he just got the red mist all the time. Oh, no. And, and his shtick was to like get the fastest car, beat the crap out of it around this west this um, wet circuit, and then just sort of casually say, oh, Andy, do you want to uh, have a little go chase around the circuit? And, and it was... I wasn't really up for this. Um, so he, he was in this Mitsubishi Lancer. Okay. Um, FQ340. Um, Four-wheel drive. Yeah, it was the best car for the yeah. wet. So obviously he parked himself in this thing and was belting around the thing, lap after lap after lap. And he was like saying on the radio to me, you know, Andy, come on. So I, I thought, oh, okay, we'll have a bit of a laugh here. And I was in a yellow 350Z. And to get onto <laughs> the circuit, you had to radio say, saying uh, um, 350Z entering the circuit. So I drove up to the gates and said, 350Z entering the circuit, and then just reversed back and parked it behind a shed. <gasps> oh, and so wonderful. He, he then spent like the next half hour chasing this non-existent 350Z <laughs> on the track. And it, he was going faster and faster and faster. And we're just sitting there dying laughing, looking at him like white-knuckling this thing around the track. And then he fell off and demolished a toilet. <laughs> the skid marks went about 100 metres across the grass. And then the skid marks continued. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely but glorious. It's a, it's a lovely little circuit, and it's all fully irrigated. Like oh. with low level sprinklers, so Stop. you can yeah, pains me. It's nothing to hit apart from wow. the toilet. That is <laughs> if you're keen. The typically wonderful Andy story there. Um, <laughs> that's what we need to do with uh, with Holden's Brewing Ground. Yes, exactly. Turn it into Bowerdrome. Yeah, Disneyland for cars. That's right. What about you, Dan? What's your ultimate circuit? Uh, probably the most memorable was um, the one and only time I drove Laguna Seca. Oh, yes. Um, oh. Because, of course, there's one particular corner on Laguna Seca which everyone dreads but also looks forward to, and of course that is the corkscrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and while that is, for those who don't know it or haven't driven it, it's basically a very, very steep downhill sort of right, left, right. Left, right, left, sorry. Um, and it catches everyone out because if you carry too much speed over it, it just sort of spits you off into the infield or the outfield. You know, it's, it's a, a, an absolute mess. But what I discovered was that's actually not the most terrifying uh, corner or series of corners on the whole track. Can I guess? Please. Is it the main straight? No, oh. although that has its own perils, yeah. Right. It's actually turn six because it looks like a very simple, straightforward to drive as you see at corner. Is that the one before the corkscrew? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. Before the corkscrew, up the hill, and then you get yep. the corkscrew. So that corner appears very friendly it's, it's beautiful camber you can see the exit beautifully it just looks like so but what you do is you get right on the apex and it's beautiful it kind of it grabs hold of you because it's got such good camber and so every time you go around it you go oh, i'm going a bit quicker go a bit quicker mm. and then what you do is you just get so fast it just spits you out to the bit which doesn't have any camber at all oh, and then you are in 
Santa Monica at some yeah. point. Um, it's it's horrendous, and that's the one which catches up. And if you look at the track at that point, especially after they've had a club day or something, there are tire marks that go every direction yeah, after that right. little. And it and it's, it that's tells a, a story. All itself. Driving there in a few weeks, hopefully. Are like, you? We're not yeah. all dead by a coronavirus. I was very lucky. I was in a, a Mazda SP25, Mazda 3 SP25. Oh, okay. So that's something good. with a bit yeah. of grind. It was manual, and, yeah, that's and it, good. but it's friendly and you know forgiving front wheel drive. Yeah. That I mean, was the best thing I could have done. I'll so. Be in a, Turbo S, but you know, good the way <laughs> that corner <laughs> is going to kill you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so farewell, friend. There'll be a couple more Publish Card podcasts, and then um, yes. No, uh, with a man of your accomplished accomplished talents, no, so you'll be fine. I'll wobble around. Uh, um, for you, uh, that's a good question. Ascari was awesome. Mm. Uh, the race resort yes. in the private race resort in Spain. Uh, it's like it's a, like a greatest hits from tracks around the world, and it's fast, and it's got every sort of corner and. It's tricky and it's just awesome. Uh, you'd love to spend a day there. Um, Phillip Island's great. It takes so long to get. Like you go to Winton and you sort of wobble around a couple of days and you've got a rough idea mm. of where it goes, how to get the best out of it, and it's just refining. It was Phillip Island took me so long because the speeds there are just so fast that if you turn in a meter too late, you're gonna know about it very very quickly. Um, apart from that. Rally stages, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the uh, not to sound glib, the but, hidden know, circuit. Yeah, you know, Mrs. Dan Gardner will probably agree that <laughs> the best race racetrack can't hold up to a rally stage. Like, I mean, Andy, you've did did Targa a couple of times. Um, yep. And you know that if you're on a, it's just so much variety of corners. Like, you know, the best racetrack in the world is still X amount of corners over and over again. Yeah. Whereas a tarmac rally stage will be 150 corners. That never repeat. So And it'll be different every day you yeah, drive. Exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So And then you add another variable when you go into unsealed services and Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's just, that's just So I mean some of the roads um you drive just yeah, you just go that was simply awesome. Nutters. Um all right, let's finish up by the ones we haven't yet encountered yes, and the ones we would love. So you, we've all got one track that if you were given all the money in the world and any car you could go and drive, what would it be? Uh, and in what? Oh, okay, I'll start. Well, I mean, I've never driven the Nordschleife, so okay. I've driven it, I don't know, 15,000 times virtually or something, so <laughs> I, you know, I know roughly where it goes. I can tell you where the corners go, but that doesn't really mean much because it always looks way different in real life. I've been there. I have been went to the Nürburgring 24, so I've been to the track, but I haven't driven around it. Um, and in that, I'd probably want to be in like, I don't know, something like a Magan RS or something. Like, yeah, there's no choice. point getting it in like a center or something because yeah. I'll just die. And it's a fairly so something like that, something like a good hot hatch will be fast enough to sort of get yourself into trouble, but not so fast that you probably can't get yourself out of trouble again. Hopefully. Yeah, 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 precisely. So. Andy, you've done seventy-five million laps of the Nurburgring. What's probably what's what would be your ideal car to do it for the first timer, and also what of all the times you drove it was your most enjoyable car to drive in? Um, I think. Uh... For the first time, I, I would choose something like a... Volvo a, 760 GLE. Yeah, 760 <laughs> GLE. <laughs> In the dark. Um, no, it would be something like a Fiesta ST or a Swift Sport. Mm. Yeah, um, okay. yeah. just, just something that you're going to have a bit of fun in that's safe and not, not too crazy. Um, my most enjoyable laps are probably in my... In my crappy old Celica GT4, because you just didn't didn't give a stuff about it. Really. <laughs> I've driven a lot of lot of really really expensive stuff there, Lamborghinis and stuff like that, and and you do have this frisson of yeah, 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 yeah. You, no matter how many laps you do, you right. still have that. Um, circuits I haven't driven. Uh, I think there are three 
really great circuits on earth um one of them is in nordschleife one of them is spa and i've done lots of laps with these two places the one i've never been to suzuka oh, yes. oh, i'd love yeah. to love to drive suzuka also quite terrifying and it's in places but yeah obviously and it's what- actually like suzuka for me like again you drive it sort of virtually or whatever to get an idea and you've seen lots of races there it doesn't really grab me like it's fun but it, uh, there must be something about it because everyone who drives it like raves about it as so, so it must mm. when you're there and in the flow and in the rhythm it must be something about that rhythm of uh, that really yeah. gets under your skin yeah. because um yeah, to look at it you go oh it's an interesting racetrack but it's not like the Nordschleife or something like that with lots of elevation or whatever but yeah the way it's set out it's just uh, very cool and yeah. what car would you tackle it in Oh, I'd want something that was pretty safe because uh, safe but quick. You yeah, want you know, you, 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 at the end of the straight, you've got that hard right, haven't you? And then it just goes into that series of six hundred LT. Yeah, left, left and rights, and yeah. I think you, I think that could get away from you if if you were mm-hmm. a bit a uh, bit bit overcommitted and underfamiliar with the circuit. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I don't think I'd go that far. I, mm-hmm. I think I'd probably go something like a, a Cayman. Oh, oh, that's a good call. Just, yeah. just, just, just quickish. Cayman GT4 is a great car to sort of learn a tracking because totally, it's not yeah. overpowered. Like it's a really fast car, but it's not overpowered. It's sort of gets its speed from its chassis, so therefore yeah. you're for, you're kind of safe as long as you're not completely silly. And it, it gives you the rewards of some much faster and, and more capable supercars. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, for take me, take us home. Um, absolutely, without a doubt, Willow Springs is the track I've always ah, wanted to, to drive ah, and I have didn't never see got that there. One coming. Yeah. Um, it, for me, like there's something about the aesthetic where it's sat. You know, like in the desert, it's really bleak and kind of. It just sort of lo- it just looks like a cool place I want to go, but then it it's kind of got that shit scary element where there's mm. you know it just spits you off the track. It's kind of almost like it's sat up on top of a some yeah. foundations and it just drops away to the desert desert either side, and it looks like a really challenging course. You you need a bit of time to sort of like tackle it. Definitely. And I've always loved the idea of doing it in a muscle car, which of course is you know yeah, yeah it's that'd be great. And the great. one which I would absolutely love to to tackle it in is the the Camaro ZL11 LE that I just drove oh, yes. recently because that thing is is an unbelievably surprising car on the track and made for it and and I think that would be a beautiful combination and wouldn't look out of place you know typical yank muscle car on a car actually going around corners that you wouldn't expect a muscle car to be able to do there you go we're going we're gonna to run a, a story in wheels pretty soon on um, Thermal Club which is also out in the desert in Coachella oh, Valley oh yes that's an amazing um, place yeah really plush uh, club thing um, going on there yeah uh, we, we had these pictures of all these <laughs> these rich guys standing with their gt3s and and m1s and stuff like that and uh i think i think i've been uh nixed from calling the feature um crazy rich caucasians (laughs) (laughs) there's a guy um there's a great ferrari collector i think his name's why only 65 or something on instagram uh he goes there quite a lot he just took delivery on those four gt mark ii track only things and that's where he where he made its debut. Um, really good driver. Uh, he and his wife are both nuts. They've got like FXKs and stuff like that. Um, but that's what I've seen of that. And the track looks amazing. It's a bit like kind of Ascari mixed with Paul Ricard kind of thing happening. Um, yeah, with lovely villas. I love the idea of being able to do another podcast in another 49 podcast times and being able to report back on all the tracks we've driven in the meantime. That's right. That's right. Uh, Thermal Springs. We, we, Scotty, sort of you're going to be over the moon. I've, I've allowed this one to go over a little bit. because yes. Yeah, I know. And I, I hate it when that happens because I like to stick to 30 minutes. But we've gone over by five minutes because I thought it was one of those things that we really could talk all day long and there was so much good gear in this one. Uh, thank you for listening. My name is Daniel Garner. That's Scott Newman. That's Andy Enright. Uh, nice. Listening again. Drive safely in the meantime. Uh, Which Car Television is back on Channel 10. Tune into that it's on Sunday afternoons. It moves all over the place, somewhere between 3.30 and 4.30 to see us all doing f- fairly stupid things, some of which is on a racetrack. And uh, in the meantime, do 
you take care and listen in again next week where we will be. Thank you for listening. <laughs>